I'm excited to share with you our guest minister and speaker this morning. He's a national conference speaker. He has worked uh, and ministered with the Assemblies of God National Office for the last 14 years. Uh, and uh, he directs all of our national singles ministries, single parents, uh, the singles uh, of the Assemblies of God. And uh, not only is Dennis Frank, I'll tell you, a great communicator, he's Italian. <laughs> Sicilian. Oh, my. How many Italians? How many Sicilians we got out there? Okay. Okay, look at them all. My, my, my. Put your hands together. Give a real good lakeside welcome. Dennis Frank. Amen. Welcome. Good morning to this uh, 10, 10 o'clock service, right? I'm a little confused. I was in the 8.30 service, the 9 o'clock service over in the other room, the conference room, with the tables, round tables. I loved it. I spent many hours there this week because we had a conference Friday night. People from seven churches and many towns came, single and single again people, 20s, 30s, mostly 30s, 40s, 50s, and some 60s. Not just 20s and 30s. Single adults come in all ages just like married people do, just like married people. We, had, we were there Friday night till 10.30, and then Saturday all day yesterday from 8 till 4. Five, and then we some of us stayed after, cleaned up and prayed and talked till six. It's a long day. Yeah, and I spoke five or six times, seven hours total. <clears throat> My voice is still holding up. Just now. I hope it's hope it's okay for you this morning. <laughs> so good to be with you here. Pastor Chris, thank you. Pastor told me I'm a guinea pig. He told me this on the phone. I remember those words. He said, I'm the first guest to be able to speak three church three services in your church because you just started that early morning here in the sanctuary with the people at 8.30, and I was here with them. And so thank you for the opportunity to be the guinea pig, I think. Thank you. I think. <laughs> uh, this, this reminds me of a church I served. I was an associate pastor, singles pastor in Omaha, Nebraska. Same exact size, same setup. It was very similar, so this brings back memories. I get a chance to be in a lot of churches. I get to travel and meet pastors and volunteer workers and staff and people like you and cities and all across the nation because when you work for the Assemblies of God, uh, people give you invitations. And uh, my ministry is to work with single and single again adults, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But yes, I am Italian. Now, Frank does not look Italian, F-R-A-N-C-K, but it was shortened from Frankina. Frankina, say it. Frankina. My grandfather came from Langi, Sicily. Langi. And my father is the Italian. My mother is Jewish. See the nose? That's why I've got the funny big nose from my mom and dad. And uh, <clears throat> so two and a half years ago, Pastor, we went to Italy, to Sicily, to see where my grandfather was born and raised. Way up in the mountains, an hour off the freeway, way up into little Langi, 2,000 people Little city hanging, town hanging over the cliff. Just picturesque, just what you would think about an Italian town in, in, in Sicily. And man, we found, we found the relative. I did some search on the internet. We found a man and his wife, and Anthony Franchina. He was a distant relative of my father. We had a great time. Uh, my dad doesn't really speak much Italian, and this man spoke no English. 
But his wife spoke a little bit of English, a little bit. And so we had a great time for an hour talk. He took us to his home. He wanted to take us down to the bar for vino. <laughs> we didn't go, but, but we were out of time. But we had such a great time. It, it, was, <laughs> it, it was, you know, Italians drink wine. <laughs> a lot of them do. But uh, we had such a good time. And so for you Italian brothers and sisters, benvenido. I love it. Just welcome. And I, I wish we could manja later. I wish we could eat together. But, but I guess I'm, I'm going to be going to Port Huron later today after lunch with Pastor and his wife. Uh, I have a sister there and her family. And so I'll spend a couple nights with them. I'm looking forward to that uh, <clears throat> after a while. Well, let's see. What else? Oh, I want to tell you, too, a couple of things. Um, uh, we have a table in the back uh, with some resources left over from the conference, some DVDs, some books on marriage and singleness and widowhood and divorce and single parenting and all kind of things, dating. I think we have some of those left. And I have a book called Reaching Single Adults, a great book. Don't trust the author, but a good book. Um, a few books left back there. Perhaps you have a birthday in your family, a mar uh, an anniversary, a Mother's Day is coming up. Father's Day is coming up, or maybe just a happy gift. You want to give someone a gift, or maybe you yourself. Take a look what's left. I don't make any money in these. It goes to my ministry budget, and uh, I, I don't know if it's Linda or someone else will be back there after the service, but they're, they're there in the lobby. So please take a look. We'd love to have you take a resource home on one of those, those topics. I'm a married guy. been married 39 years. What is a married guy doing working with single adults? for 35 years. I was a singles pastor. Worked with unmarried people, young and old, all the way from 18. Our oldest was 87. Yeah, single adults come in all ages. He was a widowed man. And in, our, in that group, we had more women than men, so he loved it. He, he, he acted like he was 57. I'm telling you, it, it was fun. <laughs> he was 87. He was our oldest. And we've done seven or eight national singles cruises and but my, but my role is not to do cruises. My role is to help churches understand the unmarried population and to reach the single and single again people and to travel and teach and train workers and leaders and, and educate and resource and network leaders across the country. We have 12,763 churches in Assemblies of God churches in our country. I know because I work at the national office and you have to know those things, you know. But we're growing. We're growing, thank God. New churches every year. And uh, I get a chance to be in Baptists and Methodists and Church of God and other denominations too. I was telling uh, the head usher back here at a little talk while you were, where we were finishing worship, uh, we're going to live together in heaven. We better work together on the earth. We better work together on the earth. Baptists, Nazarene, Assemblies of God, it doesn't matter. And single adults don't give a rip about denomination. They don't care. They just, they want to come and make healthy friendships with males and females. And they want to, some of them want to be married someday. And we, 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 want to, we want to reach the unmarried population. But before we get into that, before I show you that, I have a top ten for you. You know, David Letterman has a top ten. Do you guys have this up there, the top ten? It's probably towards the end. Would you take a look and see? I sent it, and I think Linda sent it up there. It's the top ten reasons. It might be at the end of the PowerPoint. I don't know how she put it. The top ten reasons that God created Eve. <laughs> Ladies, we need you in our life. Mothers, sisters, grandmothers, nieces, aunts, uh, what other? Grand great-grandmothers. We need you, Ladies. 
You find it? There it is. The top 10 reasons. Now, I'm going to talk about marriage and family and singleness in the 21st century, but I want to show you why God created woman. Here's the, top, the 10th reason. Look at this. Put it up there. God worried that Adam would be lost in the Garden of Eden because he wouldn't ask for directions. <laughs> Men don't like to ask for directions, ladies. <laughs> Number nine, God created Eve because he knew someday Adam would need somebody to hand him the TV remote. My wife says, Dennis, you always want to hold the remote. You know, men don't always want to see what's on. They want to see what else is on. So they flip the channel. You know, they flip the channels. <laughs> Number eight, God knew Adam would never make a doctor's appointment. We guys don't like doctors. Number seven, God knew Adam, when his fig leaf wore out, he wouldn't buy a new one. <laughs> Number six, God knew Adam would not remember to take out the garbage. So the woman reminds us, wife. Number five, God wanted man to be fruitful and multiply, but he knew Adam would never be able to handle the labor pains in childbirth. How do you ladies do it? I would not want to have a child. Oh, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> Thank you for having children for us. Number four, as keeper of the garden, Adam would need help finding his tools. Yeah. Where did I put that shovel? Number three, Adam needed someone to blame for the apple incident and anything else that was probably his fault. <laughs> number two, the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone, so he created Eve. And number one, after God created Adam, he stepped back and said, I can do better than that. <laughs> so he created woman. Ladies, we need you. We love you. Thank you for being part of our life. We honor you. Well, you know, I was a singles pastor and young adult pastor for 21 years in four or five different churches, four or five states, California, Montana, Idaho, and Nebraska. And then 14 years ago, I uh, had the opportunity to start the young adult and single adult office ministry in Springfield. Pastor, we had 1,000 employees when I came to, um, to uh, the national office in 2000. We were a publishing house, too. We print curriculum and books and have about 100 people that work with that. But 1,000 employees. We had a men's department, a women's department, a children's, missions, prayer, discipleship, family, everything. We had everything except single adults to reach the unmarried people. We didn't have that. And I was honored to start. They didn't have to choose me to start the program, the ministry, but they did. And I was honored. So I moved from California in 2000 <clears throat> to start the office. And I learned a lot from single adults in those 21 years of working with them. So I, I felt honored to start it. So I'm going to show you some things I've learned in those 21 years and now 14, as Pastor said, at the national office. Traveling, teaching, working with young adults, single and single again, divorced, widowed, never married, single parent. I want to honor you here today if you are not married because you're the reason I have a job. You're the reason, unmarried people. I want to honor you today and affirm you. So I'm going to show you some things that are going to help me up there on the top. Thank you so much. Marriage, family, and singleness in the 21st century. I want to show you what is happening in our society and what should be happening in our church to minister to these people. Let's go to the first slide. Um, 44% of the adults in the country right now, age 18 and older, when you can vote, when you're a young adult, 
you're a young adult, you can vote. 44%, 18 to 98, think that covers everybody, are single or single again in our country. 103 million unmarried adults, 64 million never married, 25 million divorced, 14 million widowed, 5.5 million separated, maritally separated in our, in our society. Wow, that's 44%. It's even more than that in the big cities, it's 50%. Detroit has 50 or 51%. Next slide. Look at this. Men and women are marrying later. I married at age 23 in the, in the mid-70s. I was right on target there with guys. Women were, women were 20.8. My parents married at 18 <laughs> in the early 50s. Some of you married at 20, 25, 28. Now guys are marrying at 28.5 and women 27.2. That's the median age of the first marriage. They're postponing marriage. We're becoming a single adult nation because we're postponing marriage. The next slide shows us the growth of single-person households. Back when Pastor Hal was born in 1900, is he here? <laughs> oh, I shouldn't say that. Pastor, forget. where is he? I better, I better bow to him. <laughs> no, he's, a good, he's becoming a friend. His wife has really helped me, Linda, the last several weeks. She's a great secretary, Pastor Chris. Um, 5% of the households were single persons. 2010 now, 28% of the households, one person lives there. 21-year-old, 41-year-old, 81-year-old, one person. You see how we're becoming a single adult nation. Let's go to the next one. This, is the, this shows you the unmarried versus the married households. Now this includes people who live alone, the unmarried, but it also includes single parents. It also includes two buddies living together, two girlfriends living together, a bunch of single adults living together, and it includes cohabitation. I'm going to show you that one. A man and a woman living together outside of marriage in a romantic relationship. Look at it. It's half now. It's fi almost 50%. It fluctuates 1%, 2% every year. A couple years ago, it was 51%. These were flipped. We are uh, becoming a single adult nation, folks. And the church better understand how we're going to reach, reach these people. Let's go to the next slide. The face of the family has changed. Now, this is a nuclear family. First husband, first wife, original mom and dad, biological, birth mom, birth dad, living with their child. This used to be the majority of families. I'm a nuclear family. First, my first wife, uh, two kids, a couple of grandkids now. <laughs> Uh, my parents have been married 63 years. They're a nuclear family. That's pretty rare these days. Very rare. I'm a nuclear family, but these are not the majority anymore, folks. I'm going to show you the majority. The next slide. Single parents and step-parents and blended parents are the majorities now. There are more of these families together than, than nuclear families. And you have them in your church, too. You have them in your families. You have them where you work. They're in your neighborhood. They're all around you. And there are challenges. Many challenges. Nuclear families. Now, step families, single parent families. These are the majority. 41% of marriages today are step, second or third marriages. Step families and blended families. And third marriages, <laughs> they have even a less a less. Uh, probability of lasting. I'm going to show you that. The single parent step families, look at this. 24 million kids live without their daddy, births out of wedlock. I, 
I hesitate to read all this. It's disappointing. 41% of births in the nation, 4 out of 10, are to unmarried women. And they're not just teenagers anymore. They're women in their 20s and 30s who want to have a child because they see their biological clock ticking and there's no promise of marriage on the horizon. Mm -hmm. I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of them. Look at this. The average duration of marriage, eight years before divorce, first marriage, six years for second marriage. I'm not making this up. This is common knowledge. You can get these stats all over the place. 68% of blended family remarriages fail within six years. Let's go a little further. Single parents. I've got to show you this one, this, the, the country. Go ahead to the next one. This is why your church needs to minister to single parents. Look at your, your state, Michigan. 35% of the children in Michigan are being raised in single-parent homes. 35%. In, look at down south in Mississippi and Louisiana. 45, 47% of the children are being raised in single-parent homes without a daddy, mostly, and sometimes without a mommy. Even moms are leaving their families now. Dads have, many of them have, Look at the challenge. These single parents, I'm telling you what, 60% of the single moms make less than the poverty level line. You know what that is? It's $19,974, and they have two kids. Where would you be having lunch today if you made $19,900 and you had two kids? You'd be going home for peanut butter and jelly or soup or, or spaghetti, something inexpensive. Wow. They have so many challenges. Single parents, if you here are here, you are my heroes. You're my heroes. Raise your hand, single parents. You're my heroes. Come on. I know we have some single parents. Raise your hand. You're my heroes, folks, because you have the toughest job on the planet. The toughest job. I challenge you married people. Take a single parent family out for lunch next Sunday. Take them out. Make their month. Make their month. Take them out. They can't go out. They don't have the money. Love them. Help them. Okay, we need to go on. Divorce and remarriage. A couple more on, on stats, and we're done with the stats. Divorce. Look at this. Divorce. 43% of marriages end in divorce. First marriage. Uh-huh. 60 to 70% of second marriages and third marriages are ending in divorce. Oh, i got to tell you this. We make divorce too easily accessible in our society. Did you know that 50 states have a no-fault divorce law? 50. Since the 1970s, all states have a no-fault. That means that you don't need a reason to divorce anymore. My parents, if they had wanted to divorce before 1976, they got married in the early 50s, so they're married 25 years. If they wanted wanted to divorce in those 25 years, they would have to have a valid reason, and the court would have to stamp the valid reason, say, yes, that's a reason, we'll let you divorce. It was called prove grounds. Remember that term? Prove grounds? Some of you older people remember that. Now, you don't need to prove grounds. You don't need to have a reason. My wife, Jill, could divorce me, Pastor, and I couldn't even stop it. All I could do is prolong it. She doesn't need a reason. It's like back in Deuteronomy. You burnt the toast. You didn't make breakfast. You didn't clean the car. I'm divorcing you. There's no reason. You don't need a reason. And we make divorce so easily attainable. Now, the church has a high standard on divorce. I'm sorry. On, on, yes. You know, high standard on divorce. Malachi 2.16 says God hates divorce. Yes, he does. 
Who in this sanctuary does not hate divorce? Stand up. Everybody hates divorce. We hate it because of what it does. The fragmentation, the brokenness that comes to your life, the, the, the kids, the money, the property, the emotions thrown all over the place. We hate divorce. So does God. But divorced people are tempted to think that God doesn't like them because they're divorced. Uh -uh. God loves people. Divorced, married, widowed, single parent. It doesn't matter. He loves you. And you know what? Don't you dare judge a divorced person. You don't know both sides. You don't know. Don't wonder, well, I wonder how much of it was his fault. I wonder how much of it was her fault. You don't know. Love them. Didn't Jesus love the woman at the well? How many husbands did she have? Five. I've worked with people who had five husbands. Five husbands, and she was now cohabitating. She was living with a guy. She was having sex outside of marriage. Don't you judge divorced people. Love them. Bring them to the church. Build relationships. Take them to coffee, because you don't know both sides. We have a high standard on divorce, Pastor, but we also need a high standard on marriage in our churches. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, I travel a lot, and we don't have a high standard on marriage. And here's what I'm saying. We, we marry people in our churches, not just Assemblies of God, Baptist, Catholic, Lutheran, Methodist. We marry people in our churches, and we should marry people, of course. But we marry people who are not prepared for the roles and responsibilities of marriage any more than this cup and this microphone, this glass, bottle. <laughs> Sorry. Some of the people we marry are not ready for the roles and responsibilities of marriage. They don't know the challenges. You married people know there are challenges in marriage, aren't there? Oh, yes. You're different. You have different opinions and perspectives and thoughts. And some of our single adults or single again people, we're not preparing them. I'm in a lot of churches, and many of our churches, I don't know about yours, I, I, I don't know, so I'm not going to say, but some of our churches don't have a healthy premarital or remarital counseling education program. They don't. And so we're not preparing them. They'll have two sessions with a with couple. Two or three at the max. They talk about spiritual things, which they should. Another session, they talk about the wedding ceremony, which they should. But what about managing anger and conflict? Resolving conflict. Oh, that's a part of marriage. What about, what about finances? Managing your finances as a couple. Oh, that's a big part of marriage. What about working with children? That's a big part. What about blending families? Oh, it's a big part. Listen, uh, I hope, I want to help churches to establish a good premarital and remarital education. Okay, let's go on. Cohabitation. Here's the last one on demographics. Cohabitation. 15.6 million people are living together, having sex outside of marriage. Let me tell you the three reasons I got married. I didn't say this in the first service, didn't have time, but three reasons I got married. To have, to, to have a lifelong companionship with the woman I loved. Her name is Jill. We dated four years. Lifelong companionship. Number two, I'm married to have children. Yeah, I wanted to have children. Number three, I'm married to have sex. I somehow waited. I was raised in a Baptist home. My dad was a Baptist pastor, and, and I waited. He put the fear of God in me. <laughs> I waited. Now, 
Do you need marriage anymore in our society to have lifelong companionship? No, you just live together. Do you need marriage to have children? I just showed you 41% of the births are outside of marriage. Do you need marriage to have sex? <laughs> no. There's single adults and single again people having premarital sex, and there's some married people having extramarital sex. It's all sin. See, you don't need marriage anymore. Our society, I'm telling you, I, I hate to say this, because marriage is God's plan for man and woman to marry and have children. It's just God's plan. But cohabitation is the greatest threat to the institution of marriage today. People are choosing not to marry because they don't want to risk divorce. They've seen their parents, their friends, their co-workers. And besides, it's accepted now. I don't need to marry. They want to keep their options open, see? Single adults don't necessarily want to marry. Some of them do. And I want to help them marry correctly. Now, this is what I'm saying. This is what the church has to deal with. Oh, wow. Okay, let's go to the next slide. The church must reach new types of families and households. I wouldn't want to be pastor's position, or Hal, or, or Ryan, or the, your other pastors. I, I, I don't think I could do it anymore, pastor. What a challenge you have to reach these types. Look at this. Number one, the single person family. The single parent family. Go ahead, put them up there. The step parent family. The blended parent family. The nuclear family. The expanded family. That's where you take a child in from the court, raise it. Foster families, uh, foster kids. Grandparents raising their kids' kids for marital and military reasons. Kinship families, that's relatives living with relatives. Unmarried parent families. Homosexual parent families. Homosexual, heterosexual. What? Why would they stay together? Why would a homosexual person live with a heterosexual person? Because they are emotionally and economically bonded. That's why. But they get their sexual satisfaction outside of the union. See? Wow. Non-families, a bunch of kids, people living together, and a combination of these. Many, many combinations. Many. Would these people all be accepted in your church on Sunday morning? Would you make them feel welcome? Would you love them? Would you not judge them? Or would you... No, don't do that. That's not Jesus' way. Uh -uh. But that's human nature sometimes. <laughs> oh, wow, what a challenge to be a pastor in today's society. Wow. Well, let's go on. 44% of all adults are single or single again in the country. But many of our churches have less than that percentage. I'm in a lot of them. Why? Why do our churches have smaller percentage of single adults than society has? I'm just going to tell it like it is, and I'll be gone this afternoon, so. <laughs> Don't throw tomatoes at me. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because our churches, our evangelical, Baptist, Nazarene, Assemblies of God, and Pentecostal churches are marriage and family focused mostly. We're not single adult focused. We don't reach the, we don't, we don't talk about the unmarried people as much as we should. And there are many single adults in the Bible. Many. I'm going to mention them to you. Paul the Apostle. I'll show you in Scripture. Jesus himself. 
Jeremiah wrote the book of Jeremiah. He was never married. God told him not to marry. Ezekiel was widowed, single again. Hosea was divorced. God told him to divorce. Mary, Martha, Lazarus. There are many single adults in the Bible, but we don't always think of that or hear that. And we teach and preach marriages and families. And we should. We should, of course, build healthy marriages and families. Of course, I'm for marriage. I'm married. I want to build healthy families. But there'd be no marriages without single adults. Single adults are going, many of them will marry. Now, let's go a little further here. 44% of our, of our people in society are single. Look at these needs. Consider this. Out of the divorces, widowhood, bars, singles clubs, apartments, and condominiums comes a torrent of need, and it's flowing right past the door of our churches. There's boundless talent and creativity in this flood of young adults and single adults. The church can help and be helped. It can give and receive. Opportunity is there. What will we do? Wow. Think of the single adults in society where you work. The divorced, the widowed, the never married. Think of your neighborhood, the single parents. Think of your families. You have kids that are 25. Some of you have kids that are 30 and they're not married yet. And they want to be married. But only about 20%, 15 to 20% of our churches have anything targeting the unmarried people, the single adults. You do have a class, thank you, that you do. Thank you, Pastor. John Hawes, he was with us this weekend. He helped put the conference together. We had people from seven churches, six or eight towns. John Hawes and another couple people put the conference together. He's your singles class director. They meet on Wednesday nights. It's a smaller group right now because he's not full-time. He, he has a job. He, he has to work. He, I, I was a singles pastor full-time, 40, 50, 60 hours a week. I could build a ministry and train leaders. But John, is, he's, he's got other things to do too. But thank God you have something. That's good. It's a start. I want to help you do more than that with young adults, college age and up, unmarried, single, single again. Single adults into their 60s will come to a single adult ministry. You know why? I'm 65, I'm 67, and well, I don't want to go to the senior adults. Those people have canes and walkers, and I'm healthy. I'm still working, and I'm okay. I'm not a really a senior adult yet. <laughs> See, we're very age conscious. We're, we are. We're age conscious. And single adults need to mix with people about their same age, so I recommend two or even three groups if the church is big enough so you can mix with people of your same age. If you're 35 and you're married, you're not going to hang out with a 55-year-old married couple. You're at a totally different life stage. You may know some 55-year-olds, but you're not going to mix with them too much. If you're 55, you're not going to hang out with a 75-year-old married couple. See what I mean? We like to be with people our age because we have life issues. We similar. Okay, let's go on. Next slide. A survey of the church. I want to honor you today. Go ahead and put the fill it in. If you are here today and you're unmarried and you are 18, 28, 48, 68, 88, you're widowed, you're divorced, you're never married, you're a single parent, you're separated, you uh you're single. You're just not married right now. I want to honor you. I want to affirm you and validate you. It's because of you I have a job. Yes. So I'm going to do this. Don't be embarrassed. Come on. We're going to honor you. We're going to honor all types of people here today. You're part of the body of Christ. If you're single or single again, 18 to 98, 
Count of three. Come on. I want you to stand with me. One, two, three. Come on. All you unmarried people, widowed, never married, formerly married, single parent, divorced. Come on. Stand up. There's more of you. Come on. Come on. There's more at the back. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes. There's a few more. Young adults. Thank you. Thank you. Stay standing. Stay standing. Wait a minute. Shh. Thank you. Stay standing. I want you to see something because adults, others are going to join you. They're going to stand up with you. Take a look around, and there's probably a few still not standing. You're 70, 80, and you don't feel single, but you are. Some of you are 19, 22, 24. You're a young, a young single adult. Don't be afraid to stand. Okay, we have about 25% of the adults. Thank you. 25% of the adults standing, all right? Take a look. This is, this is not 44%. It's not society yet. Okay, now, second question. Stay standing. We're going to have others join you. Here's the second slide. If you are remarried, we want to honor you. If you are remarried because of death of a spouse or death of a marriage, you became single. You remember what it's like to be single, but now you're remarried. We want to honor you. Come on, stand up. Second, second third marriages, please. All you second, third thing. Come on, give them a hand. Stand up. Don't, don't be afraid. Stand up. Come on. Please, stay standing. Thank you. Thank you. Look at this. There are some more of you probably have to coax these people because they might be a little embarrassed, but you shouldn't be. Thank you, thank you. These people know what it's like to be single because they were single for a period of time. See, because of death of a spouse or death of a marriage. Now, stay standing. We're going to ask another question. If you have, next slide, you have a relative who, who is unmarried, thank you, who is divorced, widowed, single parent, separated, whatever. They're a single adult. You have a relative, a father, mother, sister, brother, aunt, uncle, niece, nephew, child, who is single. Stand up. Come on. You have a relative who is not married. Come on. Look at this. Look at this. You have a relative who is unmarried. <laughs> Grandfather, grandmother, sister, brother, niece, nephew. Look at this. Of course. Feels good to stand, doesn't it? Preacher's been going a long time here. Don't sit down yet. Look around. Of course, everybody has a, a single adult in their family. Of course. It's society. See, it's society. Now, here's the last question. When most of you can be seated, the last question. Next slide. If you're helping or working in the young adult, college age and up, or single adult ministry, if you're helping, stay standing. The rest of you sit down. The rest of you sit down. If you're directly helping with the young adults, 18 to 30-year-olds, and the single or single adults, okay, we have a few, one, two, three, four, five, six, out of 500, plus the other two services, 700, plus children. Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you. Do you see the need? Do you see? This is what God's given me to do these 35 years. Wow, we must reach the unmarried population. Okay, let's, let's, let's go on. Let's finish. Pastor told me I have till 2 o'clock, so I got to be out of here. No, I'm sorry. It was, was 1 o'clock? <laughs> sorry. Okay, let's, let's go on. Next slide. We, un, unmarried people can build this church by attending, and some of them are. Some of you are here, thank God. But not to the society's percentage yet. But we must provide relevant entry points for them. Next slide. Look at this. Look at this. Here are some of the needs. Hit it one more time. These are the issues that young adults and single adults of all ages are facing. Let's look at them. Rearing children alone. Shared parenting. 
relating to my former spouse, managing my sexuality as an unmarried person, financial issues as a single person, building healthy friendships relating to my spouse during separation, forgiving my former spouse, contentment, dating or dating again, divorce recovery, grief recovery, trust, loneliness, singleness in a family-oriented church, finding my career, premarital and remarital education, blending families, relating to married adults as a single adult, adjusting to widowhood, and healthy step-parenting. Mm. Look at these issues. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to answer because this is a more formal setting than in the last service, but we had them actually answer in the last service in the, uh, around the tables there. Where in the church are these issues addressed? These issues addressed from a biblical and single adult perspective. Where? In 90% of the churches, they are not addressed. You have a single adult ministry, and I know Ryan works with some young adults too. You're addressing some of these. Thank you, Pastor Ryan. Two single adult ministries. What's the other one? Young adults. Well, that's what I said. Ryan works with young adults. No? Okay. College age with Ryan and then young adults. Good. Good. Some of these are being addressed in your church. Great. I applaud you. You're one of the 15%. But let me ask you this. The other 85% of churches... If, if those 85% of churches in the nation, Baptist, Nazarene, Catholic, Assemblies of God, Presbyterian, if they don't address these issues, where are these adults getting their perspective and information on this stuff? The world, yes. Where in the world? Television. You go home tonight and turn on your TV and see what's on. Ha! Huh, some great moral shows, great biblical shows. Oh, we're just teaching great morals and values. Ha <laughs> ha. You know what's on. Movies. Oh, most movies. Oh. Internet. Books, magazines, non-Christian friends, co-workers. So many areas. Is all of that healthy biblical perspective? No wonder we have young adults and single adults who are struggling to live their Christian life because 85% of the churches aren't teaching those life issues. Now, we're teaching salvation and prayer and commitment and Holy Spirit, and we should. We should. But we should also address these. We do it in youth. We do it with men and women. Why not with single adults? Your church does some of this. Thank God. Next slide. Single adults can build the church numerically. Um, I challenge you to ask in these young adult and single adult classes how many visitors they're having. They have visitors. But do they stay? Do they feel welcome? It's a big challenge. Pastors across the country tell me 40 to 60 percent of their visitors are not married. 40 or 60 percent are unmarried. They're widowed, they're divorced, they're single parent, they're never married. But do they stay? They sit in the back if they're a brand new visitor, and they're hoping someone will talk to them. You know, a married person has someone to hold on to. And they put their arm around their spouse sometimes, like some of you are doing. That's good. But single adults don't. They sit in the back. And if you don't talk to them and make them feel welcome, baby, they're not going to come back. They need you. They need you to be Jesus. Okay, next slide. Single adults can build the church by giving tithes and offerings. I love this one. Go ahead and change it. Tithes and offerings. Let's, I'm a married person. Pastor, let's say pastor's preaching this morning. He's up here preaching about tithing. And he should. He should. Tithing and giving offerings to the Lord and build his kingdom. I don't tithe yet. I'm sitting down here with my wife. 
Jill. Uh, I go home to my wife and I say, honey, that was, that was a great message. I, I feel convicted. I think we should start tithing. Husbands and wives don't always agree, do they? <laughs> no, we don't always agree. My wife might say to me, like many husbands and wives do, tithing, you want us to give 10% to the church? We're having trouble paying our bills now. You want us to give 10%? I don't know if I can do that, Dennis. And husbands and wives should check. They should agree. I, I believe they should. You should check with your spouse. But if I'm single, I don't have to check with a spouse. I just do it. Do you see what I'm trying to say? There are some benefits to being single. I believe, some pastors believe, that married people give more money in their tithes and offerings per person than the church, to the church than single people. I don't think so. Because single people don't have to check with a spouse. Married people do. Besides, single adults only take up one seat in the sanctuary. There's more room for growth. I'm telling you, there are some advantages. And if pastor was preaching on tithing, you better check with your spouse and agree. I hope you will. But if you're single, you don't have to check. <laughs> next slide. Let's go to the next one. It's worth knowing. Not all single adults are poor. Some of them are. 60%, like you say, the single moms make less than poverty level. But not all of them. God only has one heart to convince, this bottom one there, look at that, to tithe, to go on a missions trip, to give to a project. I'm married. Honey, the church is having a missions trip to Guatemala in four months. I want to go. I feel like God wants me to go. Can we take $1,000 out of savings if we have it? No, Dennis, we're saving that for Christmas. <laughs> you see? If you're single, there are some benefits. Let's go to the next slide. It's worth knowing the tithers in this church. And I'm not going to take a survey. I'm not going to take a survey. But I would guess, I would bet, as they fill this in, the single adults give as much or more per capita than married people do because they don't have to agree with a spouse. You see? Mm. The principle of sowing, and I'm not here to preach on tithing. pastor does that well. I'm, I'm not here to do that. But it's true. You will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow. Okay, the next slide. We're getting down to the end. Hold on. We can build the church by attending single adults. You can build the church by, by giving tithes and offerings. You can build the church, number three, by serving. Serving. Wow. Let's look at what Paul says, the next slide, in Corinthians. You're wondering when I'm going to get to the Scripture. Here it is. Corinthians chapter 7. Let me read what it says. Chapter 7, Paul says, verse 8, to the unmarried, it's good for you to remain single as, as I am. Did you know Paul was a single adult? I just thought he was married. <laughs> he was single when he wrote Corinthians. Now, he was probably married at some point. You know why? Because he was part of the Sanhedrin for a while. The Sanhedrin was a Jewish legal group. And you had to be married to be part. Of, you had to have children to be part of the Sanhedrin. But now Paul is single. He says it right there, verse 8, chapter 7. Uh, I'm going to find him in heaven. Paul, I've been teaching about you for 30 years. You said you were single here. Were you divorced or widowed? Because weren't you part of the Sanhedrin? I'm just curious. Were you divorced or widowed? I'm just curious. I'm going to find him. I really am. I, I want to know. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> so here he's single. He says, it's good to remain as you are single. But if you marry, you have not sinned. Thank God I haven't sinned because I'm married. Thank God I haven't sinned. 
I'm married. Uh, that's a different perspective, huh? Hmm. As if maybe there possibly could be sin in marriage, huh? Okay, then look down further in verse uh, 20, 26. It's good for a person to remain as he or she is. Are you married? Don't, don't seek to be divorced. Are you divorced? Single? Don't seek to be married. But if, and then it says, but if you marry, those who marry will have many worldly troubles. <laughs> married people? Have a little fight last night at home? You didn't help me get the kids ready. Yeah, a little fight this morning on the way to church. Many worldly troubles. Well, you didn't even help us with breakfast. You got up late. How come? <laughs> oh, yeah, Paul says you're going to have troubles if you get married. Single adults, take note of that. <laughs> Some of the single adults are willing to exchange their single set of problems for a married set of problems, Pastor. How <laughs> he says you're going to have problems. Now look down to verse 20, 32. 32. I want you to be free from these problems. The unmarried man is anxious about how to please the Lord and the woman how to please the Lord. But the married person has to please his or her spouse and the time and energy to do that. And all the married women said, Amen, he better please me. <laughs> right? Of course. Of course we should please our spouse. But it takes time and energy. And we should. But if you're single, you don't have to do that. And so you have more flexibility. That's what Paul's saying. With your time. You see? 24-7. We all have 24-7. But you have more flexibility. You don't have to clean the apartment. You don't have to clean your car. You don't have to do the dishes. If you're married, you better do it. <laughs> if you know it's good for you. <laughs> okay. Now. I wanted to show you that because single adults have more freedom, the next slide, to make decisions, to serve, to lead. They have more flexibility with their schedule and travel. If the boss wanted me or you to move to Texas and you're married, honey, you go home to your wife, honey, the boss wants me to move to Texas in 90 days. Is that okay? No, I like living here in Michigan. I don't want to move to Texas. But if I'm single... You don't have to check. You just do it. See? Okay. This the next slide. Which one is it? Okay. Consider these comments. Every group in the church has unique needs. Children, youth, men, women, marrieds. But because we put emphasis on married and children for so long, we've inadvertently forgot the unmarried people and led them to believe we don't expect them in ministry. Apostle Paul says for ministry it's better to be single. And the purpose of the ministry to single adults is help them see they are the church and to help them come to a place of ministry. I won't take a survey, but I bet you 40% or more of the workforce in this church are unmarried. People serving in the youth, in the children, in the men's, in the women's, in the greeters, in the ushers, in the music. I bet you half of them, about half are single. Thank God. Wow. Where would we be without unmarried people serving? All right. Let's go to the next one. Personal biases. Do you have any personal biases? Uh, I don't want to, again, I don't want you to throw apples at me, but how many single people do you have on your church board? How many unmarried people do you have on your missions board? How many unmarried adults do you have as elders or deacons? You see, if we're going to represent society and represent the church, we better have single adults on our top leadership too. We better. But in many churches, they don't. 
Let's go to the next slide. Marriage doesn't make a person whole or mature. And you are not complete as a married person. Marriage doesn't complete you. Marriage will finish you. No, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> what did I say? Oh, forgive me. Jill, please forgive me. <laughs> She's not here to defend herself. <laughs> but for some reason, we look for married people first in some of our, most of our, many of our positions in churches because there's something that's just more complete or whole or spiritual about being married. No, there's not. Jesus, if he walked in here physically, he would not even qualify to be on many of our church boards in our Assemblies of God churches because he's single. There's a single adult. I saw you stand. <laughs> I'm telling you, think about it. The Apostle Paul would not have qualified. He wrote 11 or 13 books of the Bible. He wouldn't even qualify to serve on our church boards. What is up with that? See, we, we, we better, we, I'm telling you, I'm challenging you to understand what, what is happening in our culture, and we better utilize these people in ministry positions. Marriage doesn't make you whole. Colossians 2 says, you are complete in him. I'm almost finished. I see the clock. I'm almost finished. You know what it means when a pastor looks at the clock. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Pastor Chris knows this. He told me on the phone. <laughs> he says the clock is his enemy. <laughs> okay, we've got to finish. Because I want to have a little bit of prayer time. Thank you for bearing with me. Single adults can help build their church lastly by bringing people to Christ. This is the last point. And they're doing it. They're doing it. Because they don't have to check with a spouse to go on a missions trip. They don't have to check with a spouse to be gone somewhere to minister. They just do it. Look at the next slide. Local outreaches. Look at this. Friendship evangelism. Young adults are good at this. Short-term mission trips. Long-term mission trips. In many areas of the world, they're setting the pace, Pastor Ryan. You know this. They're setting the pace because they are cause-oriented, and they will, they will do compassion ministries, and they will build bridges to bring people to Christ. But if you're married, you don't have as much flexibility with your time. You see, they're doing it. The next slide, look at these, these people. These are some examples. Joseph fled the advances of Potiphar's wife in the Old Testament. Lillian Trasher started the orphanage in Egypt. Wow. Single adult. Corey Tenboom, ever heard of her? World War II? Single adult. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, pastors quote him across the country. Single adult. Grimke sisters, first woman to speak against slavery in the South. Single adults. Wow. Mother Teresa, you've heard of her? Single adult. Irina Sendler rescued 2,500 kids from Jewish death camps. Single, unmarried adult. Next slide. A few more. Pope Benedict XVI and now Pope Francis. Single man. Henrietta Mears founded the Gospel Light Publishing. Single adult. Evangeline Booth helped her daddy start the Salvation Army. Single adult. Claire Barton founded the Red Cross. Single adult. Apostle Paul, greatest missionary single adult, and Jesus, Savior of the world. i got to throw this in as I close, as I continue to close. <laughs> Jesus lived in a Jewish society. Some of you Bible scholars know this, pastors, some of us know this. He lived in a Jewish culture, folks. 
They push those kids into marriage at age 14 and 15 after puberty. You know why? The, to the Jews, family was a big deal, big name, and they wanted the kids got, 2,000 years ago, they got married early, early, teenagers. Do you want your kids married at 14 or 15? Are you kidding me? My daughter's not going to marry until she's 35. Well, she's already married, so that blew that. <laughs> I couldn't stop it. <laughs> she married a good Christian man. But they pushed him into marriage young. You know why? For two reasons. To carry on the Jewish family name. Name is a big thing to Jews. And number two, to populate the earth. Genesis. They took it literally. They pushed him into marriage. Wow. Jesus, you're 21. How come you're not married? Jesus was strange in his day. Uh-huh. He was. Jesus, you're 27. Are you looking? <laughs> Jesus was all man, but he was all God. He was both. All man. Jesus, you're 33. How come you're not married yet? What's, what's uh, something wrong with you? <laughs> I'll tell you. These are, these are, you know what I'm saying. Okay, the last two slides. In the, in the beginning, think about it. The first humans were created single, Adam and Eve. I know God married them, but they were single. Number two, in the end, we're all going to be single in heaven. The Bible says in Matthew there's no marriage in heaven. I think you'll still recognize your spouse, but there's no marrying in heaven. And number three, in between, God sent a single adult to save us, Jesus. Wow. Here's the very last slide, and I'll be done. Three single adults who changed the world. And, Pat, and Cindy, if you'd come to the keyboard, thank you. Our faith, our very faith, the reason you're in this church this morning, right here, Lakeside Assembly, is based upon a Jewish single adult from Galilee whose ministry was preceded by a single adult named John the Baptist whose mission thrust was modeled by a single adult named Paul. I wish I would have said that, but I didn't. But it's great. Think of it, folks. The reason we're in church is because of three single adults. Wow. Look at this. You see how society is changing. You see how we need to reach people around us who are unmarried all around us. Widowed, divorced, never married, single parents, separated. The separated people aren't legally single, but they're living a single lifestyle. They feel single. Folks, I'm going to pray for you this morning as we, as we close. Would you bow your heads? You've been a great audience. audience. Thank you for indulging me, but let me just pray with you. Let me ask you a question. Maybe, maybe you're here and God has shown you something this morning that you didn't see before. You're thinking of someone in your neighborhood who is a single parent or who's gone through a divorce and God wants you to reach out to them. Or maybe you think of a widowed person where you work or a never married person who you need to befriend. God wants to show you how you can minister to them. I want to pray for you this morning. God's shown you something or someone. Could I just see your eyes over on my right, your left, these two sections, your left? Yes, let me just see your eyes. I want to pray for you. Thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you. God has shown you something or someone this morning. Thank you. The middle two sections. God has shown you something or someone. Could I just see your eyes? I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes, over here in this section. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Over here on my left, your right. God has shown you somebody or someone. Thank you. Let me just see your eyes. I want to pray for you. God has shown you. Yes. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Would you stand with me, please? Would you stand up? We're going to pray. Please. Come on, stand with me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the 
opportunity to understand your word when it comes to marriage and family and singleness. Thank you for these dear people. Thank you for their willingness, their honesty, for honesty to admit that you've shown them something, Lord, or maybe someone. And I pray for them that you'll seal this in their heart by the Holy Spirit, that you will help them to minister and be aware of the unmarried population around them. Thank you, Jesus. Now, as we close, I'm going to do something. We're going to do two things as we close. If you don't know Jesus here today, the greatest single adult that ever lived, Jesus is here. He wants to meet you. He has a plan for you that you can't even believe. He wants to forgive you. He wants to love you. He wants to help you grow as an adult. That's the first thing. And secondly, we're going to do this. We're going to ask people who are married, as, as Cindy and, and they lead us in a worship song in a minute, some commitment song, worship song, whatever you choose, you choose. As they lead us in a song, I'm going to ask for 20 married couples to come down across the front, all ages, 20s to 80s, married couples. First, second marriage, I don't care. As we sing, you come down, and then what we're going to do is ask the unmarried people to come, and you married people to pray for the unmarried people. I'm going to ask, we want to honor those unmarried people, and want the married people to find out a need that they have and pray for them, and be the body of Christ to them. And if you want to accept Christ, we want you to come too. I don't care if you're married or single. So as they lead us in a song, married people, first, could I have 20 couples come down? Come on, as they lead us, you come. Come on, married couples. Lord, I give you my heart. Come on, married couples, we need you. I give you my soul. Lots more. Come on, all ages. pray for you. Would you come and tell them a need you have? We want to honor you. We need to, we need to relate to each other. I don't care if you're widowed, young, older, middle-aged, if you're a single parent. Come on, adults, would you let them pray for you as they, as they lead us again? Come on. Lord, I give you my Come on, we want to pray with you. Come on. I give you my soul. Come and tell them a need you have. I live for you There's more of you. Don't be ashamed. Every moment I'm away. Come on, let him pray with you. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. 